Hey, everybody. Welcome to the BetUS NFL show. I'm your host, Matt Landis, joined by expert football handicappers Las Vegas Chris on your left and Scott Kellen on your right if you're watching us on YouTube. And Chris, let's get right to it. This week, we've got NFL games that count. And your mantra this offseason has been hurry up and wait. And on one hand, the wait's pretty much over at this stage. But on the other hand, the wait could be just beginning. Well, it's NFL's here. We want to bet it. Uh, it, it. I can't wait to bet it. I've gone to the computer screen at least a half a dozen times to punch in plays. But there's COVID out there. There's injuries out there. There's no rush to, to get in there and dive in uh, head first. Uh, as I previously, previously mentioned, so many people blow through their bankrolls by the start uh, the start of October, second week of October. Just don't be one of those guys that digs yourself into a hole early. Uh, for me, uh, the wane this week has been, I want to make sure all the COVID news is out. And I think this is going to be a common problem throughout the season. Uh, so as much as you want to pull the trigger on stuff, maybe pull it. Uh, I think I might be pulling the trigger uh, for smaller amounts and, and kind of scale up throughout the week, uh, uh, potentially. But th those are the things I'm thinking about, man. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. And Scott, I know Chris just talked about the arc of each week throughout the season and how the betting process could work on a Monday to Sunday basis. But also we can think about the arc of the whole season. It's week one. It's really exciting. But as you know, it's not the be all end all just because this is the first week where we've got games that matter. Yeah, no. And Chris is spot on, Matt. And I, I heard an interview uh, yesterday with Denver's head coach and they were just asking him about week one. And obviously there's anticipation. And, and he made a comment that I thought, you know, you can really relate to betting as well. He said, uh, look, the game and the games in week one, they count the same as the games in week 16, week 14. He said, obviously, there's a little extra excitement because it's week one, but they all count the same. And I thought. That is so true, and it's so true for betting. The, the bets you make in week 16, they count the same as the bets you make in week one. The bet in week one doesn't need to be stronger, bigger, you know, unless you've got some kind of model that's that's uh, dictating that. But they all count the same. The hurry up and wait. Man, I, I love that line that Chris threw at us you know, a month ago, and I, I will use that a lot because it is so true. Uh, you don't need to hurry. Just get the quality plays in, and whether they all come uh, you know, week seven and later or whatever, that's all that really matters. Just having plus DV type plays. Yeah. And hopefully we can provide some of those quality plays over the course of the season. And on that note today, we will take our early look at week one right here at bet us where the game begins. And to give you a sense of what's coming, we're going to dive in first to teams. We're watching maybe some potential early season risers and fallers. Of course, we will take a look at the week one lines, including a few games we think we might see move between now and kickoff. And then we're finally going to break down the season opener coming up on Thursday when the Cowboys visit the defending champion Tampa Bay Bucks. And throughout the show, everybody, we're happy to do a Q&A with the audience. If you're watching this on YouTube, please feel free to jump in that chat, ask us anything, and let's have some fun. And beyond the chat on YouTube, you know the drill. Go ahead and subscribe, like, hit that notification bell, all that good stuff. And one more thing before we kick things off, make sure to sign up today at BetUS using the promo code NFL2021 to claim your 125% sign-up bonus. And to get the details on that offer, check out the link below this video. And on that note, guys, I think we're ready to dive into week one. Typically for a Tuesday show, this is when we would recap the previous week. Of course, there's nothing to recap from this past weekend. So let's get into some teams we're keeping an eye on throughout the course of the season. And Chris, let's start with you with your thoughts on the defending champs, 
you've got an interesting angle on the Tampa Bay Bucks. What was my interesting angle? Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, what was my interesting angle? Sure. So your your angle on the Bucks was that in teasers and survivors, the Bucks can be a crucial oh, team this year. As much I'm as a sorry, lot of us want to look part. into point spreads and totals. No, that's okay. What I love about what you bring to the table too is a lot of your contest knowledge. So yes, we'll look at the Bucks against spreads, money lines, and all that good stuff. But even you know teaser bets or survivor pools, the Bucks could be a really interesting team this season. Yeah, you know my brain is just so in these games and and what's going on, and it's uh, it's tough to keep track of all this stuff. Uh, but the this Tampa Bay game is going to be really important because it's going to be probably the most used teaser game. Uh, of the week, I would think people uh, anxious to get in and play the game and they're not going to want to lay eight points. So they're going to get their feet wet with Tampa Bay uh, uh, minus the two. I think it would be now uh, the lines moved up to eight. So it, it's just really important if you're doing teasers uh, to follow a couple of very easy teaser rules. And that is you want to be going through the three and you want to be going through the seven. And if you're not going through the three, and the seven, you probably don't want to be doing that teaser. And uh, I definitely do not recommend uh, college sports for teasers or totals. Uh, the numbers are just too high. The variance is too high. And unless you ran into an NFL game where the total was back down below 41, it's really not much of a consideration to be teasing those games. But uh, uh, And as far as survivor pools, everybody ha is in them around the country, not only uh, – the, the big circa one with the $6 million guarantee, but, uh, and, you know, neighborhood survivors, uh, that's, that's going to be an important survivor pick. A lot of people are going to be on survivor because there's not a lot of big favorites. Uh, and uh, the unique thing about the uh, circa one is uh, you kind of can free roll that one. You can play that uh, with a couple of your entries. And if Tampa Bay loses, if you've got some open spots you haven't entered with, you can get back in Friday. So, uh, uh, something to consider with the teasers there. Yeah, for sure. And we'll get more into the Thursday night game at the end of the show. So we'll kind of bookend things with the season opener. Um, but as far as the team Tampa will be hosting, just one quick note on Dallas, where they could sink or swim the season could really be on the defensive side of the ball, Chris. Um, I, I, I don't know. That's what I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, uh, I, I want to watch. I want to see. I, I mean, it's uh I don't know what to expect, quite frankly. It's really I want to I want to see you know what's what's going to happen, uh, what lives up to the hype, what doesn't, and what uh, is consistent between last year and this year. Uh, it, it falls in line with the hurry up and wait because I don't trust anything from last year. Last year is garbage. It's worthless because there's just too many changes. There's there's COVID issues. There's family issues with these players. There's travel issues. There's all kinds of dynamics changing. So I, I just like to watch. Yeah, well, we'll have plenty to watch starting on Thursday, and I can't wait to have this season opener kickoff. And moving on, uh, beyond there's the teams playing on Thursday, we've also got a bunch kicking off on Sunday. And Scott, one of those teams, the Pittsburgh Steelers, a big storyline, the status of TJ Watt. What are you expecting out of the Steelers, especially as it could relate to Watt's status early in the season? 
Well, that's a good point, Matt. I mean, he's holding out. Uh, and what's unique about the Steelers, they've got some hard and true rules from an organization standpoint. They don't negotiate after the season starts, so we're on the fringe of that. Uh, and some other rules that are in play that are almost causing them to not be able to come to a deal with T.J. Watt. And he's been holding in, if you will, uh, where he's been present, but he's not practicing, obviously. And uh, there's a chance he could miss this game. And he's obviously the best defensive player for the Steelers. So I think it's very important to watch that as the week goes and just see, uh, you know, where he plays into all this. And the other thing is, you know, if he doesn't practice all week, uh, is Mike Tomlin going to let him show up and play on Sunday? I don't know. I think Tomlin may have some rules just in regards to that, too. So that whole thing um, will obviously update Friday and hopefully no more. But that's a uh, huge watch for me uh, in regard to the Steelers. Yeah, and Chris, on the other side of the ball, we were also wondering what the offense is going to look like. So that's another area where we could get some pretty good intel pretty quickly out of the gates. Yeah, well, the Pittsburgh uh, offensive line, it, it lost a lot of players. So I'm very interested to see why Ben came back. I think he came back uh, because he has confidence that they'll put it together. And uh, uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to see if their defense holds up. Uh, and uh, if their offense uh, is as bad as people say it's going to be. I don't think it will be as bad as people say it will be. Yeah, well, that's with the new OC and the change of scheme, that, that could work wonders for Ben if the Steelers can be effective with some more pre-snap motion and play action. So, again, a lot to watch for. We're going to try to give some good food for thought on a few more teams here before we take a look at the week one lines. Um, and, and I'll jump in here with a team that, I'm really curious about both as a fan and a better, and that would be the Los Angeles Chargers early in the season. Um, of course, as a fan, with the new coaching change, a lot of the upgrades to the roster, there's a lot of optimism, and I want to buy it. But as a better, I also know that few things are more important than staying objective. So it seems like the Chargers may well have hit the jackpot with Justin Herbert as their quarterback. I'm curious to see if we're going to get a year-two leap out of him or maybe see some regression. And also the supporting cast, I'm thinking of it in terms of the upgraded talent versus the opportunity cost of the time they haven't spent together yet. We know the offensive line has been revamped, but how quickly will they find their chemistry? And with a new head coach, offensive coordinator, and defensive coordinator, a lot of room for optimism. But similar to that offensive line, how long is it going to take for the Chargers to gel on all fronts? So ultimately, I feel like it's a team that could challenge the Chiefs for the division or it could be a challenge for them just to finish above 500. So I kind of feel more bullish about their three-year horizon than their early 2021 horizon. Uh, but Chris, how do you feel about the Chargers? I see your note here possibly being off the leash. Yeah, and, and, and to add to your point, uh, special teams. They, they, they've cost themselves 11 wins over uh, recent years just on special team follow-up. So that's that's going to be a, a significant uh, difference. And uh, yeah, off the leash just means it, you, you have to imagine that the, you know, the, the losing environment and, and just the, the fact that they self-destructed for so long with previous uh, uh, management uh, and coaching, uh, now we have it all fresh. So do they get do, do they get a relief from that now? And uh, are they able to move on from it? Uh, it's, you know, some people say yes, some people say no. Be interesting to see. Yeah, well, we'll give it some time, but hopefully it's pretty telling for better or worse early on this season. And Scott, the Chargers week one opponent, the Washington football team, going to be interesting to see how the offense is going to fare in the Fitzmagic era. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got Ryan Fitzpatrick, obviously. Uh, that will be interesting. We know there's feast and famine uh, with good old Ryan. So I, I'm interested to see that. I mean, they played with such 
dysfunctional quarterback play last week, last year. Um, you had Curtis Samuel to the lineup, obviously. So, um, you know, I'm very intrigued to see. We know they have a very good defense. We'll see if the defense gets better, regresses a little bit, but the defense should be there for the most part. So the big curiosity for me is really how well they can play an offense because we know if they can get some offensive production, this team has a chance to be fairly good. I'm going to disagree with you there. I, we don't know. I don't think we know very much about their defense as much as we think we know about that defense. If uh, if you remember, the only decent quarterback that they they won a game against last year was Ben, uh, and the other seven wins that they had were against backups and replacements and uh, really subpar competition. Uh, they got to prove. They've got something to prove again this year with that defense. And, and I think this team is either the Hindenburg or they could they could be off to the races if that defense is legitimately as good as you said it was, Scott. So. Uh, and if the offense can just be average, they, they could do a lot of good things. So I, I think it's one. It could be one way or the other. I, I agree. I mean, Chris, do you think that there's any chance the defense would be below average? Yeah. Well, why, yeah. I mean, what their comp, the, the schedule they played last year was was pretty weak. I mean, they put on some monster numbers, and you got to remember the motivations of the team they're playing. If the teams that they're playing don't have any sense of urgency because they know if they follow up, Washington can't score on them anyway. You know, that's also a different dynamic. Uh, you're going to play differently uh, when you're playing Kansas City versus, your, you know, uh, a Washington with Haskins behind the line. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. Yeah, all right. So again, another team with some good food for thought here. We're not in the process of locking in any bets quite yet. We will get to some at the end of the show, but just diving into both sides of the coin for some pretty interesting teams as we get closer and closer to the start of the season. And the next one I'd like to touch on would be the Seattle Seahawks. We know they've got a new offensive coordinator this season. There seem to be some positive reports about them going more up-tempo, giving Russell Wilson some more autonomy. And we got a glimpse of that in the first half of last season. Going to be interested to see just how committed Pete Carroll can be to that approach over the course of the full season this time around. And Chris, while I'm focused on the arc of the Seahawks season from that sense, uh, you're also looking to see whether they can get off to a strong start once again this year. Yeah, they were a big surprise last year. I think uh, people didn't have any expectations for them last year. And they started off really well uh, going out to the East Coast and in some unusual travel situations. So... Uh, let's see if they can get off to that uh, good start again, because I'm not entirely convinced the rest of that division is uh, who we think they are, uh, so to speak. So that a good start is going to be very important for that NFC uh, wildcard race and for that divisional race. Interesting thing I saw today, uh, for the last 10 years, uh, Super Bowl teams have one thing in common, that their payroll cannot be above a certain amount. So the the only pay the only quarterbacks that have won a Super Bowl over the past decade with a taking up more than ten percent of their team's payroll is Brady, which is understandable. Uh, he was he's at like twelve percent, and Manning at eleven percent. Uh, everybody else that's won a Super Bowl has taken up less than ten percent of their uh, uh, payroll for the team. Uh, I bring that up because Russell Wilson has fifteen over fifteen percent of the team payroll. So. Uh, uh, I think you need to make a little few sacrifices if you really want to win. Yeah, well, I think that's a really interesting point because Wilson obviously found a lot of success when he was on his rookie deal, but now that dynamic has flipped and they don't have a legion of boom to support him anymore. 
And another team I'd like to jump through, Chris, right on that note that could be kind of stuck in purgatory because they don't have that Hall of Famer who they're paying enough to warrant, uh, you know, taking up a big chunk of the salary cap. Um, and he's not on a friendly rookie deal. That would be Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. So while uh, Cousins is pretty much a known commodity on offense, it's really going to be interesting to see what they can do defensively. Scott, you've noted they have a lot of players they're getting back this season. So how much better do you think they could be on that side of the ball this year? Well, you know, the still line, uh, Chris's line, hurry up and wait. We're going to find out. Um, you know, the I think the front seven uh, looks like they're getting some quality people back uh, and have a chance to get much closer to what we saw before. Um, and then the secondary, still a little bit questionable, uh, but that certainly looks like it's going to be better than last year. So I think there's a lot of potential for them to take a big leap compared to where they were last year, which is a completely abnormal year in, uh, you know, in the Mike Zimmer era there. Um, so, you know, we'll see, but I think they have a chance to have, uh, a great improvement, but I got to see it to believe it, but, uh, it's on paper. there, looking like they have a chance to really improve. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. And, um, we've got a few more teams to go, but I'll take a quick moment here to reset, let everybody know to feel free to jump in that chat and interact with us. And we've got a question from birdie who asked a couple good ones during our AFC South preview last week. Um, this one reads. Fitz's best two seasons in the NFC, so going back to Washington. Fitz's best two seasons in the NFL, excuse me, were with Chan Gailey as the offensive coordinator. Every other season, he's been really good and really bad. What's your expectation on how Fitz does without Gailey calling the shots? So, Chris or Scott, any initial thoughts there? I'll let Chris, who's got him a 28th best quarterback, I think, from our, our, our original show, right? <laughs> no, last Cousins? Cousins was... Uh, Fitzpatrick. Was no, Fitzpatrick. Fitz, Fitzpatrick. Oh, I, I thought you said Minnesota. So so we have, we have a question uh, going back to the Washington preview. We've got a question from a viewer, Bertie, asking about Ryan Fitzpatrick and how his best seasons have come under Chan Gailey. So without Gailey calling the shots, um, what kind of impact do you think that would have on Fitz's performance this season? Yeah, and Scott made the, the classic reference to, uh, I think, Chris, it might have been a little tongue-in-cheek calling Fitz a bottom-five quarterback when we were previewing the NFC East. That was well, amazing. you know, this is what you have. This is what happens in media when you actually have people on a show that bet for a living. So they're not going to be media proficient and smooth <laughs> as silk. But uh, <laughs> what I – for this – for his entire – career in his 30s he's a bottom five quarterback he's been in the league 16 years and he's had one great season he's had several different opportunities where high expectations have been placed upon him and he's crashed and burned in those situations he had a great year last year when there was no pressure and and uh uh let's see what he can do this year i, I mean hey I, i'm rooting for the guy I really am. I hope he does well, uh, but I'm cautiously, I'm just cautious about it. Uh, I really am. Yeah. And I, you know, Chris said it best. If, if, if Washington's offense becomes average and the defense is something similar to what we saw last year and, and Chris is, you know, he's sitting on all the points why they could not be possibly um, that's a win. If Ryan Fitzpatrick can make that offense average, that's a win. And he, and, 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 and the uh, the questionnaire person is right. He, he's been below average, slightly below average. I would even take a slightly below average Ryan Fitzpatrick if the defense is really formable. Because the rest of that defense or that division is so-so, uh, that's enough for Washington to, to possibly win that division. 
Uh, if Ryan Fitzpatrick is a mess where he's throwing all these turnovers, yeah, that that's going to be problematic. Yeah, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. If he in, in seasons past, he, he can show up and throw four picks in a game. He can't do that. All, all he has to do is stay one pick or less, and that team will be fine. All I want to see, Chris, I want to see him have a great game. And then in the interview, have I forget the receiver for Tampa Bay that he came into the interview with all that person's clothes. Deshaun Jackson. That guy, yeah, he showed up in his undies basically looking for his clothes that uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was wearing in the postgame interview. So that, I just want to see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, some some good moxie for sure from Fitz. And as you guys touched on, I always think living and dying by the sword a little bit. So thank you for the question, Bertie. And uh, we do have another question from Bertie, but I think we can get to that in just a moment when we show our graphic with all the week one lines. But first, I'd like to dive into one more team, and that could be the local team for, for you guys and a lot of the audience out there. Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, Chris, you have a funny note here. Uh, Big Ten meets SEC in a bowl game. Explain how that weaves in with your thoughts on the Raiders this year. You know what? It just feels like, uh, uh, you know, as far as Baltimore goes, uh, you know, hey, start them up, fire them up. Let's see them roll and watch them go to work because they're a regular season workhorse. Uh, they're the uh, they're the team that loves to blow out weaker competition and uh, the Raiders better be ready to play. They don't have the defense, uh, so they're going to have to score a lot, and they, traditionally they have. But uh, the offensive line's a little weaker this year behind Carr or in front of Carr. So uh, it, it just feels like, you know, when the Big Ten, uh, who you think is really good, goes to the bowl game to play the SEC and just gets pasted, you know, it, it's quite possible. So we're going to have to see what kind of character the Raiders have. Yeah, yeah, Scott, a lot of it might come down to the defense with some veteran additions and also a new-look offensive line. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see in the offensive line. Uh, you're right, Matt. You know, that's uh, they revamped that, let some pretty good players go for, uh, you know, salary cap reasons and whatnot. And they wanted people that I think were a little bit more mobile than what they had, possibly to help them in the red zone from an offensive standpoint. Uh, but the defense is the big watch for me. They've added a lot of veterans there. We're going to find out, are these guys over the hill and have already you know, been way past their prime and that they can't uh, improve that defense enough to really get them to be a solid team? Or do these three, four, five, six guys that they've added, uh, do they still have something left in the tank and they can make this defense average? In which case, a, a decent offense could actually make this team somewhat formidable. That, that's what I'm going to be looking for. And that's, you know, that's what I want to see. And that'll you know, tell me a lot about this Raider team for the, for the rest of the season. Yeah, well, I think at this point we've said about all we can for some some teams, just theoretical things we're keeping an eye on over the course of the season. I think it's the moment we've all been waiting for. Let's take a look at the week one lines as we inch closer and closer to the season kicking off. And as we start to take a look at these lines, there's a graphic here on the screen for those watching uh, on YouTube. You can see it. And if you're listening to this in podcast form, uh, go ahead and check out the YouTube link in the show notes if you want to get some good visuals to accompany what Chris Scott and myself are breaking down right here. And Chris, before we get into specific lines, I know you have a good high-level outlook on how things work when we look at lines at this stage of week one relative to the movement that we've already seen. Well, you know, these these lines have been out for months and months, so it's a, it's an entirely different uh, um, outlook, uh, so to speak. Uh, it, it feels like kind of like vacation where I don't have to stay as focused as, as normal because... A lot of the movement has already happened, but don't get me wrong. I'm watching the line movement on every single game uh, very closely. I mean, to me, a half a point is is very important, uh, and it should be important to everybody. So 
I, 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 I'm just curious which direction a handful of these uh, lines are going to move. I, 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 you know, I think some things are still kind of out of whack, but they may not be. There's, it's really hard to predict week one uh, what's going to happen. You know, what, what are the predispositions people have? Uh, are they going to let lines that look that looked really dumb if they were, you know, thrown into week 17 last year stick? Or are they going to respect what uh, the, the prognosticators are valuing teams this year? Yeah, yeah, well, good point. And I, I think with that as the foundation, we can take a look at a few of these numbers that stand out. We're not going to walk through every single price on every single game here. But the first thing that I'd like to touch on would be Jets at the Panthers, that total of 45. It's come up a decent bit recently. I believe we had 43 and 43 and a half available earlier in the offseason. Chris, kind of tying back to the point that you just made. Um, but do either of you think that we might see some continued steam on the over, given the matchups in play for Jets-Panthers? No, I'm seeing it tick down right now, actually. Uh, uh, you've got uh, I, I forgot, receivers for uh, the Jets uh, is out. I believe, and uh, that's going to affect them a little bit, uh, take away a little bit of offense. Uh, so it's it, it peaked at 45, and it's ticking down. Yeah, gotcha. that that one, Chris uh, Jamison Crowder. I think it's a COVID issue. Yeah. Um, kind of to your you know point early on, uh, you don't know with COVID, and we don't know if he's going to be cleared to play or not. And you know he he is uh, you know one of their better receivers, so that will have an impact uh, potentially based on you know if he can go or not. Cool. Well, one um, beyond Jets-Panthers I'll touch on would be uh, just below that. The Cardinals currently catching three points at the Titans. And I think we're going to see that plus three become more expensive if we don't eventually get a two and a half. Also on the total at 52, uh, I I think we might see that tick up as well. And and reason being something, again, I'll keep an eye on over the next few days before our Friday show. Um, As far as the side is concerned, the Titans have had one of the uh, more precarious COVID situations when it comes to the number and caliber of names on their COVID reserve list recently. And we'll see how many guys they get back. And even if they do get everybody back, how does that potentially impact their conditioning for week one? And as far as the total goes, that Tennessee conditioning could definitely be an issue. We know their defense isn't very formidable. And the Cardinals defense isn't really anything to write home about either in recent years. So this could be two very beatable defenses. And if one of them becomes even, you know, more spotty with Titans COVID issues, I I think we could see some movement on both the Cardinals plus three and the 52 to the over. So something worth monitoring over the coming days as we follow the news cycle. Chris, you touched on it. Unfortunately, it looks like another year where COVID is just going to be part of our lives when it comes to that NFL betting media diet. Um, We can touch on one more game that's had some COVID issues flare up in the past, but it looks like it's starting to maybe stabilize a little bit. And that circles back to the second question we received from Birdie, and it's about the Seahawks at the Colts. Birdie asks, uh, the line opened Indy minus two and a half, and now we've seen it flip to Indy plus two and a half because of some injury news. And now it does look like Indy is going to be basically healthy. So do they have any value now that they're catching two and a half points? I think the matchups are the concern. Uh, I, I don't think uh, Seattle matches up well for uh, the Colts. So that, that's one thing I'm going to keep my eye on. Um, and I, I just, I'm not 100% convinced that these guys coming back, uh, you know, I've seen enough time to to work out cobwebs uh, in, a, in a fast-paced opening game. You know, Seattle, you know, showed us last year, they show up for game one on the road. So, it, uh, 
I think I don't know what's going to happen to that line, though. I, I think uh, I think it, if anything, it probably comes down and stays under the three, just uh, unless something goofy gets announced. I think uh, I don't think that hits a three. I'll just add on that, Matt. Um, you know, it looks like Wentz and Quentin Nelson are going to play. Um, you know, how effective they'll be, we'll see. Uh, Eric Fisher to left tackle was cleared of COVID, which is great. But Fisher got hurt late last year. Um, and I don't know that he's going to be back for week one. I may be completely missing that, but I think there's still some question if he's ready to go or not. And if he isn't, then that's a left tackle that they're going to be without, which is a pretty important uh, player on that team. Uh, they lost their left tackle from last year. So now you're bringing in Fisher. If he can't go, you're down to and I'd have, I'd have to look to see who the uh, backup is. Uh, if it's Sam Tevy, I, I don't even know if I it got him on the right ACL team. already. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, so... Um, you know, we'll see, but Fisher is a big question mark. One, one that I'll be watching, you know, between now and Friday's final injury report. Cool. Well, yeah, I think this was a good way to dive into a few specific games and we will do a deeper dive on the whole week one slate on our Friday show. So I think one last game we can get into now, since it's happening before that Friday show, that season opener on Thursday night. And as we transition into the season opener, Dallas at Tampa Bay, Friendly reminder, anybody watching this on YouTube, you know the drill. Go ahead and give this video a like if you're enjoying what we're doing. Subscribe, hit that bell icon, join us in the chat, all that good stuff. And on that note, let's talk Cowboys Bucks. We can see the spread on the screen right here. Tampa Bay up to an eight-point favorite. Moneyline, minus 365 on Tampa. You can take back plus 305 on Dallas and the total sitting at 52. And when we look at this game, Scott, I know there's a pretty big difference between these two teams on defense. There is. And, you know, I, I think uh, obviously Tampa Bay's defense is, is one of the top defenses in the league. Dallas on the other side of that equation. We'll see how much they improve. They draft the linebacker Micah Parsons, uh, who, you know, has had pretty good reviews this year. We'll see how much he and other people can can help change that defense. New coordinator in there. Uh, but I've got to see it to believe it. But I think even on the other side, Matt, I, you know, if you look at the first five weeks last year for the Cowboys where Dak was healthy and you look at the total body of work uh, for the Buccaneers throughout the year. And obviously it took them a little while to get going with Brady being new. Receivers were kind of in and out. These two offenses were about the same. I actually rate Tampa Bay's offense a little bit better than Dallas's offense. And the defense of, uh, from a defensive standpoint, I think it's hugely different uh, in favor of Tampa Bay. Add in Zach Martin, uh, looks like he is out because of COVID. That's a pretty important guard uh, for the Cowboys as well. It looks like Collins, who had a neck stinger, is probably going to play. Um, but, you know, they've already got problems on the offensive line. We don't know about Dak's shoulder. I'm not going to put too much into that, but it's something I'll be watching. But I think there's value on Tampa Bay just as a whole here. Uh, and then, you know, I know we'll get to the play with the teaser, but I think in a teaser uh, option, I think Tampa Bay has a great amount of value um, as well. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, well, Goodwin was uh, out of practice. Uh, he hasn't been practicing. It's probably nothing, uh, but uh, just something to keep your eye on there too. Yeah, and Chris, I know Scott covered a lot of the breakdown with this game. Is there anything else you'll be watching for before we get to picks? Just when you look at the matchup between the Cowboys and the Bucks. I, you know, I I touched on it uh, when we did the division. That when I look back to see where I had Tampa Bay ranked. I only had them as number seven. You really look at it, uh, they, they were not the, 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 the you know, juggernaut that they became in the playoffs. You know, they, they had the, the good fortune of 10 turnovers and uh, go their way. And 
Uh, all of a sudden, they could, they they held the teams to below seventy or below sixty percent pass completions when they were up at the seventy percent uh, range. So I want to see if they're the real deal uh, that we saw in the playoffs or the pretty darn good team that I had them rated for most of the season. But with that caveat, if you isolate uh, how well they did after their slow start when they had the acclimation process, they really did do pretty well after, I think, about week five. They were consistently improving. So uh, I just want to see where that team picks up. I really do. Yeah, it seemed like they could be poised to pick up right where they left off when you look at everybody coming back. But at the same time, like you said, they peaked awfully high at the right time last year. Um, So uh, a pretty quick indicator coming our way on Thursday. And Chris, I also have a question for you from the chat. This comes from Hector, and it reads, I've heard Chris say he waits till the last second to make contest picks. How does that affect your normal handicapping where you typically want to get on early numbers or is CLV not as important? Um, in contest picks, closing line value is is oftentimes irrelevant. Uh, it's just different. And when I'm betting, I obviously want the best closing line value I can. But, you know, here's the problem. I used to be one of these guys that I was betting stuff on Sunday afternoons when the lines would first come out. And, uh, I, you know, I had to have the best line and it, it literally nagged me, you know, gave me ADD if I missed a half a point. And with COVID the way it is and realizing that, you know, hey, you got to let some of this stuff go. I'm not as concerned about it. I, I mean, I am, but I can let this stuff go when it comes to the, the betting because I don't want to get caught with my pants down like I did last year with New England and, and Cam Newton going out. Uh, I, I don't like that because it's preventable. And you know these COVID issues are going to come up. So just proceed with caution, you know, is my perspective there. With contest picks, you know, there's no quick answer on that. Uh, I'm not, I I don't recommend anybody just chase line moves just because there's value there. The people that do that don't do well. So uh, it's just different every week in each situation. Yeah, there's a lot of game theory involved. And Scott, I'd love to get your take on this too, because I know that you have some good context contest success, excuse me, in your background, as well as what you're doing on on sides and totals these days. So how do you evaluate the way you pursue closing line value in, let's say, contests relative to the week one board we're looking at right now? Well, I think Chris is right. And, you know, the beauty of a contest is that line's not moving, so you don't have to hurry up and make any decision. I love it. I mean, you want to talk about taking stress out of your world in terms of who to bet? Uh, you know, that line's coming out Wednesday or Thursday, you know, you've got till Saturday, whatever time to make a full, really full educated decision uh, because most everything's been exposed other than maybe some early Sunday morning uh, surprises that could happen and COVID could obviously still pop up then, I guess. But um, so it's night and day different. And, um, you know, I love it uh, because nothing's moving on you. You know, you can miss something all day long. You're not missing any line move because you can catch up late at night with any of the news that happened throughout the day. So uh, it's a wait and see for me. And, you know, the other thing I, I, I may have mentioned it in, in one of our uh, series before, but, you know, you've got a team that's maybe three minus 125 or something. Well, on the board, on the contest number, they're probably three. You know, that that's a pretty good price. If as a whole, you think that team's good. I mean, you can take advantage of some things around that side of it as well. 
um, because you're not laying juice in any line that you're playing in a contest as well. So sometimes there can be some advantages to that as well. Dallas is going to come to play. I, I think this is where uh, I, I, this could be a close game. I mean, it may not be. I mean, you know, week one, week two can make any any of the prognosticators look like morons. I mean, you you don't. There's so much unknown. So, uh, but I, I just feel like it's going to make a difference. And then I, I paired him with San Francisco just because uh, I'm excited to see what the Lions do, and I think they're going to play with a whole hell of a lot of heart. I just don't think there's really no excuse for San Francisco to lose that game. And uh, it doesn't matter how hard you want to play for a coach in those circumstances. People forget how good San Francisco was two years ago. Uh, and they're a solid, solid team. There really is no excuse for them to lose that game. Yeah, well, I like that breakdown because one of the things I tried to talk about earlier when mentioning what I'm looking for out of the Chargers is delineating my fandom from my best interest as a better. And I think it can be uh, a really strong signal when somebody's willing to bet against their team. I, we know the Lions are your team. I think they might have come up in seven of the eight division previews, even though they only reside in one of them. Uh, so to see your willingness to to go on the Niners there, even though you know that they'll probably put their best foot forward in their first game under Dan Campbell, um, I think that could be pretty telling. So yeah, Chris is on a two-team six-point teaser, taking the Bucks down to minus two and the Niners down to minus one and a half. And Scott, you're also teasing the Bucks, but you've got them paired with the Rams. How do you look at your two-team teaser, Tampa minus two with the Rams minus one and a half? Yeah, and just to pick up, uh, pick up off something uh, Chris said, Matt, I think it was Pro Football Focus, I was, I believe, was reading an article where they were saying week one, and this doesn't help you know, support what we're trying to do in the teasers here, but I thought it was interesting to week one surprises that Chris mentioned. Uh, I believe it was week one dogs of seven or more win straight up 30% of the time versus only 18% of the time the rest of the season. So it just kind of goes to speak to what Chris was saying. You have surprises in week one, uh, whether you think they're coming or not. So, uh, and, and this year will probably be uh, no different as well. Um, but you know, the heart of the Tampa Bay Rams one, first and foremost, as Chris said, you want to tease, get through the seven and the three. So that fits that bill. Uh, I have another uh, model that I use that looks at certain metrics to try to up the percentage of teams that are fitting in those windows um, to, to just raise the bar, if you will, uh, for a teaser play. And the Rams and Tampa Bay fit those metrics as well. Uh, you know, from the Rams standpoint, yeah, we might see some aggression on defense this year. Um, and also, uh, but the offense should be a little bit better. We'll see what happens with the Bears. Um, but the, the Rams have also kind of dominated the Bears um, really the last couple of years that they played them. And uh, as well, the Bears, when they went on the road last year against quality competition, they were losing by double digits against that competition. We'll see if they've changed at all in that regard. Rams won here 24 to 10 last year. And I don't think the Bears have scored maybe more than 15 points in their most recent games against the Rams. Again, we may see a slightly uh, regressed defense with the Rams having losing, lost some personnel and whatnot, but they still have the heart and soul uh, of that defense with Ramsey and Donald. So I think the Rams to be able to win this game, um, I think has a very good chance. And obviously if they win by two or more, they cover that teaser as well. Yeah, well, I'll keep my handicap here short and sweet because I'm with you, Scott, on let's call it the primetime week one teaser Thursday night, Tampa Bay minus two with Sunday night football taking the Rams down to minus one and a half. Again, basic strategy going through seven and three. And for me, one of the keys, uh, of course, is that price point. Chris, you touched on it, getting Tampa Bay down through the three. So we want, you know, minus two and a half or better without laying more than minus 120. And 
one of the reasons I am inclined to do that with the Bucks right here is that I only really see two factors uh, with a you know reasonable likelihood of hindering their season-long performance. And that would be with this being Tom Brady's age 44 season, you know, does he finally have that falling off the cliff year that so many great quarterbacks have had? Um, we know Brady's proven us wrong time and time again when we've wondered that, but that that's a question that could play out over the course of the season, as could some potential injury luck regression for the Bucks. But that said, Tampa Bay's coming into week one at pretty much full strength. And we can't say the same for their opponent with the Cowboys having questions around Dak Prescott's shoulder. And we touched on it earlier with all pro offensive lineman Zach Martin likely being out. So I do feel really good, especially about the Bucks right now hitting the ground running. And as far as the second leg goes, I mean, Scott, you touched on a lot of it. And we'll dig more into that game on Friday's show. Basically, in both legs here, I like taking the far superior team to do a little more than win outright. So one more time to recap our picks, if somebody's uh, not watching on YouTube and just hearing this in podcast form, Chris on a two-team teaser with the Bucks minus two paired with the 49ers minus one and a half. And Scott and I both also taking Tampa Bay down to minus two, pairing them with the Rams minus one and a half. I would like and to I'll, add one thing. Sure. It, it's, a, it's a real coincidence that we're on teasers tonight, uh, hmm. uh, but that's not going to be the norm. I mean, teasers are... Uh, are not something that should be taken lightly and, you know, used every week. Uh, There's been years where I don't even bet a single teaser the entire season. So uh, teasers are very tricky. You've got to win those in over the 70, you know, 74, 75% rate to break even. So it's, it's very, just watch out. Don't gravitate toward teasers uh, if you don't see one or there's something that doesn't grab you, don't play them. I mean, I, I, I'm not even sure you'll ever see another teaser from me uh, the rest of the year. Yeah, I hear you there. I think one good rule of thumb, especially if, if teasing favorites, I mean, if we're to look at a money line parlay on, let's say, the Bucks and the Rams, I believe that would come out to uh, somewhere requiring about a break-even percentage of 61, 61.5%. And with a teaser at minus 120, of course, we are laying two and one and a half points respectively. So this isn't a straight money line parlay. But if these hit, uh, you know, about 56 and a half percent of the time, we're good to go. So, yes, the Bucks could win by one or two. The Rams could win by one. Um, but I think the extra cushion we get with that break even percentage makes it worthwhile here. And in a lot of cases, that equation doesn't always work in your favor when you're playing teasers. So I like the idea not to look at it in absolutes and really try to just be mindful of uh, the bigger picture over the course of the season. You know, that's an excellent point. Uh, Everybody's got to remember, most of the time it's not going to happen, but it's going to happen sometimes where you can actually parlay the teams and get a better, get get extra points. Like you don't have to lay the one, you don't have to lay the one and a half, and you're paying the same price, or you can get a much better price by, you know, by doing it. So, uh, just at least glance at it and check them out and punch in that part of that teaser and see if see what the price is on a parlay. Yeah, well said. Well, I think that's a good note to to us out on our consensus Thursday night football season opener teaser on the Bucks across the board. A couple of us on the Rams. Chris, you're on the Niners. So can't wait to see how that plays out. But at this point, I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in to the BetUS NFL show. And for those of you who've joined us on YouTube, thanks for catching us live. Make sure to subscribe, hit the thumbs up icon, hit that notification bell, all that good stuff. And if you've got any thoughts, questions, or suggestions, let us know in the comments of this video. And if you're listening in podcast form, 
check out the YouTube link in the show notes or reach out to us via Twitter. You can find Chris at Las Vegas, Chris, that's C-R-I-S. Scott is at Sixth Sense NFL. And you can find me at MLandis18. And as you just saw on that graphic on the bottom of the screen here on YouTube, we're going to be back with you live on Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific with a deep dive on the weekend slate. So come back and chat with us again. Let's have some fun as we look for edges together all season long. And last but not least, don't forget to use the promo code NFL2021 when signing up at BetUS to claim your 125% sign-up bonus. All right, everybody. Thanks again for tuning in. We're back with you live on Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific for a full look at the week one board. We'll see you then right back here at BetUS where the game begins.